0: Hello everybody and welcome to Wi-Fi Now TV in association with RCR Wireless News. My name is Klaus Hetting and on today's show, the uberization of the common carrier. Our guest today, Francis McInerney, says that the common carrier is about to be uberized. We're going to ask him what that means. He also says that the age of cellular is over and that we're in the age of Wi-Fi. More right after this. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. TelecomCareers.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Wi Fi Now TV. We're going to speak to Francis McEnany in just a second. He's a fantastic and fantastically insightful and provocative analyst and consultant from North River Ventures. Before we do that, I just want to remind you that Wi-Fi Now, the conference, is coming up in Amsterdam next month, November 17th and 19th. And we've got a lot of carriers there speaking about Wi-Fi. We've got some of the most fantastic Wi-Fi innovators at the show, including companies like Mimosa, Ruckus Wireless, of course, AeroHive, uh, Lancom of Germany, lots of great content and engaging discussions. Don't miss it. Go to wifi now, events.com slash Europe and register while the early bird rates are still there. They'll last. We're going to extend the uh, deadline. A little bit. They'll last until uh, the end of Monday. So don't miss that. All right. I'd like to welcome my first guest today. He's my good friend and, as I said, one of the most uh, insightful analysts around in the tech world. He's been... Very vocal about the uh, what he calls the end of the cellular age. And he's a big proponent of Wi-Fi, including not least its disruptive power. Francis McInerney, welcome to Wi-Fi Now.
1: Hey, great to see you. Uh, nice to be on your show, and uh, I love your conferences too. They're definitely a must attend, no question. Thank you for that. I appreciate the support. We're putting a lot of effort
0: in. Thank you, Francis. Now. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of your work and some of your thinking, which has inspired me over the past couple of years, uh, especially, of course, with regards to the disruptive power of Wi-Fi. The first thing I wanted to ask you about is this idea that we're in the age of Wi-Fi as opposed to the age of cellular. And we have... Uh, one uh, of your uh, one of my favorite slides, actually, and we can just bring that up. Uh, that explains what you mean by the by the idea that we're in the age of
1: Wi-Fi. Can you take us through that, Francis? Sure. The slide is pretty straightforward. Um, what it shows is that you have order of magnitude increases in price performance along the Moore curve on one side of the chart. And on the other side of the chart, you have the equal order of magnitude increase in the number of devices that are unleashed, if you like, every time you have an order of magnitude increase in price performance. I first started this chart about 20 years ago, 1994, actually more than 20 years ago, and used it to make really accurate predictions that we're now well into the age where we're talking about the tens of billions of devices now, a couple of things happen on a chart like this. The first is that if you look at network load, it's very simple. It's the number of devices on the one side times the power of the devices on the other. You can see it's a monster. It's just monster. And there is no way on Earth that the cellular network can deal with it. It's not going to happen. This has to be dealt with some other way, and that way is Wi-Fi. In effect, what you have now is a world in which Wi-Fi is the primary means of communication, and cellular is your backup. Big
0: yeah, absolutely, and and so this presumably is the reason why we're seeing so much of a traffic increase, clearly on Wi-Fi networks as opposed to mobile networks. And and I think the number is something like eighty or ninety percent from smartphone devices, four G capable smartphone devices. What other shall we say conclusions can we draw from this if you wanna predict the future a little bit more? Because we do see all this traffic, but how do we turn this into a business
1: opportunity? Well, the big problem is not just the business opportunity we turn it into on the uh, Wi-Fi side, it's going to be the implosion on the cellular side first. And we have to understand that those are existing businesses and what the risk to them is your typical cellular CFO, CEO, C-level planner will say, look, if price times quantity is greater today than it was yesterday, we win. So if we can reduce our prices and get more quantity, we don't care if we cut our prices, we still win. Our market grows. Now, the problem occurs when you miscue the quantity. And as you just pointed out, The data is showing that by far the largest part of data traffic is not flowing into the cell nets anymore. It's flowing into Wi-Fi. I think the ratio is 70% to 30%. That means that the common carriers have misunderstood how big Q would be if they dropped price P. That's fatal for those dudes. It's a big problem. One of the things that I like to talk about, based on a great interview you did with uh, Nick Armstrong a few weeks ago, is that the folks may also have miscued p on the other side and by that i talk about the uberization of the network and i know we're going to talk about that a little later on the other side the question is what is the business model and what are the opportunities for the folks who are going to take up the slack Uh, there are probably dozens of new models that will be created Uh, we're going to see everything from uh, models based on Massive arbitrage of bandwidth. We're going to see models based on new brand concepts. Uh, the chances are almost unlimited as to what we will see. And we'll see plenty of failures, no question. So, Francis, the reason why they're getting this wrong is, 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 is that because they,
0: they must obviously know that so much traffic is, you know, from their device,
1: so to speak, flowing outside their network.
0: Funny they must thing, know that.
1: Funny thing. Sure, they know it. But when you work with these large carriers, there's a difference between knowledge and action. The carriers are based on very old structures. You have to remember that you may be talking about a wireless company, but very often these wireless companies are the um, add-ons to old phone companies. And the old phone companies made decisions a certain way. And often they're very slow to react. Verizon has started to take Wi-Fi seriously and is moving aggressively into small cell. But it's nowhere near enough. Okay, so in
0: in your estimation, if we just stick to the carriers, we're going to talk about the Uberization in, in a second because I think it's a fantastic concept. But what should they be doing? I mean, they've been essentially, sometimes I like to say they've been working off the same basic business model for
1: 100 years, right? What should they be doing? Yeah, they have been working off the same basic business model for 100 years. You know, it it's not, I don't think it takes a lot of imagination to say to yourself, if you're one of these big wireless carriers, okay, let's put ourselves in Apple's shoes. Let's put ourselves in Google's shoes. Let's ask, what are they doing? Why aren't we in their, uh, why aren't we in their, those shoes? Why aren't we doing something like that? What is it that we haven't thought through And I think these guys are gonna have to get used to the fact that they will be in a Uberized world. They're gonna have to bid for bandwidth. It's gonna be in real time. It's gonna eat away at the bottom line. They will need much smaller operations, slimmer staff. They're gonna have to be faster. They're gonna have a much, much more flexible use of different kinds of bandwidth, different technologies. And they're gonna have to get away from seeing themselves as cell companies to seeing themselves as wireless companies they're in the business of connecting stuff my stuff to your stuff my device to your device and it doesn't have to be a phone it can be anything as you know heart monitor embedded in my body will do just as well so you're talking about getting your brain out of we're in the cellular business and into we're supporting pocket computers amongst other things and how are we going to do that I think that's what they gotta do.
0: So what do you think is gonna happen to the carriers if they don't realize this and presumably, well, depending, I guess, on who you speak to, in my estimation, I don't think they're particularly eager to change anything. Uh, Most big companies are, I guess. But so what will happen to them if they do not realize the writing on the wall? Because I also personally believe that that is the writing on the wall.
1: Well, there are two types of carrier, I think roughly the low ARPU carriers in the United States, we have Sprint and T-Mobile and the high ARPU carriers like at and and Verizon. The high ARPU guys, I believe are vulnerable. There's a lot of revenue they can lose. The low ARPU guys are gonna take advantage of some of these new technologies that we're gonna talk about because they can take money off the table. The high ARPU guys have a lot to lose. Um, their shareholders are not gonna be happy with this. Um, you can imagine that the shareholders of some of these big companies are going to jump on their heads they're going to start jumping harder and faster as the news becomes more obvious and you may see restructuring Uh, i would not at all be surprised to see one or two of them be broken up simply because the shareholders are not going to put up with this and you will see a scramble Uh, how do we position ourselves better in the wireless space what are we doing um, you know, great job for McKinsey, uh, you know, you can see those guys have marching into quite a few shops to help these folks figure themselves out. Uh, but I think you're going to see some damage. And you're going to see some success. I mean, maybe Masayoshi Son will be lucky with Sprint and take advantage of all this and hey, become rich again, you know, who knows. Right,
0: exactly. We're also talking about a few hundred billion dollars of debt uh, among the, you know, the big four US carriers. So there's a lot of, a lot of financial
1: concerns, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, debt equity has always been a problem in common carriers. Uh, mm-hmm. Theodore Veil, if they've carried way too much debt. But mm-hmm. in those days, they could afford to carry the debt because their rates of return were regulated. Mm-hmm. Here's a great question that I asked myself the other day. I said, how big is the common carrier market worldwide? It turns out it's $2 trillion. Now, if you were these dudes here, and you could rake off, rake off 10% of that, and put it in your own pocket. Stick that in your own pocket at very little cost. Very little cost. This will flow straight to your bottom line. At today's multiples for Apple and Google, that would revolutionize their share price. So that in this ecosystem, your Apples and Googles will be the big winners in terms of stock price and equity, and your Verizons and AT&Ts and others will be the big losers. Right,
0: uh, tectonic shift. Absolutely, and let's speak a little bit about the uh, what, what you call, which I like actually, the word the uberization of the common carrier. So the, the idea here, and correct me if I'm wrong, Francis, is that uh, the 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 people that the companies that own the device, the the, the actual end user service companies like Google, Facebook, Netflix, and so forth, uh, they will be able to choose. Uh, who, what carrier uh, to use based on a network of networks, if you like, and so that the the bandwidth will become totally commoditized and you won't actually see the carriers anymore at all, but there will be one big pool of carriers that are shared, right? You you spoke, you were a little bit inspired by Nicholas Armstrong from Pravala on the show. Maybe speak a little bit more about that. Yeah,
1: I was watching the show and I listened to what he had to say. And then afterwards I downloaded his white paper from the web at your recommendation. And what I discovered was something that I found fascinating. What you have is the idea that you could take one of these and embed a new form of SIM card in it. And that SIM card would choose in background mode, which was the cheapest network to use in real time. Now, uh, Nick showed that progress has not complete yet in Project Phi, but you know, because of this $2 trillion business with so much opportunity to take money off the top. That if you could appify, if you could appify the networks in such a way that, like the iTunes model, you know, Apple takes 10, 20%, the SIM card arbitrages the network in background mode in real time to give the user always the best price, whether it's Wi-Fi, cellular, or whatever always the best price for the user. And you can imagine the user also using their settings to make quality price trade-offs if they want. If they wanna have the highest possible quality or the lowest price or somewhere in between, they can make their choice. This creates a market which is completely unlike anything we've seen. And the reason is that if you like, the wireless infrastructure is divided into three separate domains. When we think where Apple's going, we'll see the real value of this to Apple. The domains are the app enablement device. And this can be anything from a cell phone, embedded heart monitor to a car, to an MRI if you want, attached on the cloud. Then there's the next level, which are the apps themselves, which you see here, which are basically cloud servers somewhere. And then finally, the third element, and this is the key that these guys want to attack is the app delivery architecture. That is the entire infrastructure space that connects the apps to the app enablement devices. Right now, Apple and Google have almost no leverage over that one space. And that's where the $2 trillion is sitting. There's 2 trillion sitting there that they're not getting. And if they could use some way of arbitraging the network, Uberizing it in effect, they could pull some of that true trillion into their income statements at basically no cost. Now it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what throwing 20 or 30 billion more into Apple's income statement would do to their share price. It would boost the share price way more than doubling their sales. So uh, this is an irresistible move. They cannot resist it, they must do it. It's just too much money. I think I agree with that. I'm just
0: not, uh, you know, I, I agree with the, the premise and the the argument and so on. The question is how to get there because obviously there's a there's a tremendous amount of, well, you know, the obvious things, the resistance among the carriers to even, uh, you know, begin negotiating anything that looks like that because obviously that's going to render them, you know, uh, powerless to some extent in the industry and you know, a completely new business model and so forth. How do we, you know, how do we presumably get to that point?
1: Well, I think Nick Armstrong pointed out just how far uh, Google has already gotten. Mm. He pointed out that Google has gone a long, long way. He also showed what is left to be done, and it's quite a lot. There's no Mm. question. And anyone who's interested should go back and watch that show on YouTube uh, because he does show clearly that there's more to be done. But you can see, uh, you know, right from my first chart about the the Moore curve, that it's inevitable that the processing power will come to the point where we can embed something here easily, quickly, and simply. I can imagine uh, Intel, for example, deciding this is a great new chip opportunity for us. We've missed the mobile space. Let's now sit down and talk with these folks about what we can put in here to help us accelerate the process of some kind of hybrid SIM card make this arbitra- ar- arbitrage the superization work and i think uh, this renders your common carriers powerless they are going to have to come to the table i don't see any way out of it mm-hmm. there is of course especially in the united states litigation how much can we sue you to stop this happening yes. and we've seen that game with the uh, with the co- with the uh, content providers trying to prevent people like the cable television and other carriers uh, unloading them so mm-hmm. uh, it's you know <laughs> this is going to be a nasty game right.
0: so who do you think might do something like that the obvious candidates are the usual suspects right apple and google and i suppose is an outside chance of somebody like facebook doing it or
1: oh yeah i think amazon is a great example mm-hmm. you know amazon just fired uh, uh, apple tv because it sees apple tv as a competitor for its own space with uh, its fire products mm-hmm. now if the real battle is between Apple and Google and Facebook and so on, where do the big cellular companies play in this? They're not really on that battlefield at all. So uh, I think you've got an interesting situation here where uh, you could also have people like Huawei uh, and uh, Xiaomi who are desperate for larger share outside uh, China trying to use this as leverage to get themselves bigger share in the primary markets.
0: Right, exactly. So I was actually going to ask you about that because we always talk about Google, Apple, Facebook and so forth, and sometimes some of the big content providers and, and, and online retailers and so forth. But do you see anybody new in this space with a real chance? I mean, you mentioned Xiaomi, but obviously there was during the dot com boom, there was tons of things happening. And, and that has, you know, it's not really happening today, but presumably we will, except maybe from for Uber
1: what's your view on that? Xiaomi is a good, good example, I guess. Xiaomi is a great example. Um, they're stuck in a very difficult situation where mm. they are competing on price. Their margins aren't any good. I think Samsung mm. might do something extreme because Samsung has been in a terrible situation. They've just managed to bring back some profitability growth. Uh, they too gave, made the mistake of giving up the whole app space to Google, which is, was really dumb because that was their future revenue stream. And um, they will need to do something. I think there's also a large potential for startups. When you start talking about the densification of cells, as cells get smaller and smaller and smaller, from macro cells to DAS to Wi-Fi and so on, there are going to be a lot of new startups. I like to think of people like Zayo, as having an enormous role to play here. I think the tower companies, Crown Castle, have an enormous role to play here as this market increases demand for them because what you'll have with this Uberization is not falling demand, but increased demand as the users get more effective, price-effective use of their video and other bandwidth requirements. Is there a, a
0: gap in supply demand right at the moment? Because what well, we're—I mean, if if we look at your Moore's law curve, uh, you know, one would assume is every, if everybody, all the mobile carriers are kind of up the curve somewhere, uh, and and that's predominantly what's being delivered outside of Wi-Fi in the home and the office. Yes. If there is, and if there is such a gap, is that not a big opportunity for anybody with a with this with a play intensification
1: to come in it is a huge opportunity and if you're in the venture capital business you've got to be looking at this today and you've got to be looking at it in its multiple dimensions as i mentioned earlier the app enablement devices the apps and of course uh, the uberized architecture Mm -hmm. there is a lot you can do in that space the curve shows you that it's not slowing down it's growing the bandwidth just won't go back uphill. And so the amount that you can do over the next quarter century is gigantic. And the other thing the curve shows, which is unpleasant in many ways, is that everyone who dominated a higher part of the curve, like the mainframe makers back 40, 50 years ago, did not dominate the next phase. We all know that computer demand Processing power demand grew enormously in the 80s, 90s, and is still growing. But it moved away from the mainframes to the PCs, into game consoles, and now it's moved into this space, and there are plenty more space and support to go into. So, yeah, the opportunities here are immense, but just don't try to think of it as if you're an old-fashioned co, because it ain't going to work. Yeah. What do you think the old-fashioned, so to
0: speak, old-fashioned Cellcos are going to be, uh, let's say... Five years from now, what's your
1: prediction? Whoa, I would not want to be in one of those companies right now. Uh, All the indicators, every last one of them are pointing down. I have a very hard time finding any indicator that points up, just not seeing that. Um, I think there is an opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, for some of the low ARPU people to come in and grab some low hanging fruit. I'm not sure they're gonna do it hugely profitably, that's another matter, but they can at least boost their top lines to some degree. The high ARPU guys are just vulnerable. They're just, you know, part of the problem of Uberization is that the old model of average cost-based pricing has been with us since Alexander Graham Bell. (laughs) You You pay so many bucks a month, you know, and whether it was $20 a month 40 years ago for a phone, well, it's $100 a month today for, for one of these babies. The fact is that uh, this model is being replaced by uh, the new model, which is marginal cost-based pricing. Now, marginal cost-based pricing and uh, average cost-based pricing are not the same thing, and they don't support the same kinds of, uh, same numbers of workers, the same, uh, they don't support the same overhead, nothing like that. Uber. By tr- appifying the taxi industry, has replaced all of the costs and infrastructure that the taxi guys had to deal with for when did taxis first come along? Hackney you know, <laughs> cabs of London with horses back two <laughs> centuries ago? And that model hasn't changed until Uber. Yeah. And we so, why?
0: Think- so, so all the indicators are pointing down. And I, I think I also agree with you on that. Why is the financial community not caught on yet?
1: Oh, they, well, they never do. They never do. They're the last. I used to have a company of analysts. And um, I, you know, I put my, my, my people up against Wall Street day in and day out. The Wall Street people didn't have the slightest idea what was going on, not the slightest. And my analysts were always way, just often years ahead and usually always right too because they thought things through logically, you know. I always used to tell them it's just the numbers, it's just the numbers, let's focus on the numbers. The Wall Street people, uh, you know, just it's not their space. They don't get this.
0: Francis, it's fantastic to have you on the show and it's great to see you again. And I always enjoy spending time with you, talking about these things and I want you to come back and share some more insights sure. with, with us. Thank you so much and see you soon, all right? Okay, good seeing you too. Take care. All right. Thanks. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks to Francis McEnany. And uh, all there's left for me to say today is a little bit about next week's show. On next week's show, we've got Bennu Network's CTO, Rajad Ghai. Bennu is one of the companies leading the charge on new network architectures for carrier Wi-Fi everywhere. And Rajad has got some really good insights on that. We also have, uh, which is actually kind of related to what we talked about today, Perti Visuri of BandwidthX. He's the CEO of BandwidthX. BandwidthX has created a platform for dynamic exchange of Wi-Fi bandwidth between carriers. It's kind of like a stock exchange model. We'll talk to him. They just won an award, by the way, at uh, the latest WBA conference. So uh, we're going to pick his brains about all the progress there. Uh, thanks again to my guest, and I'll see you all next week, same place, same time. Thanks, everybody. Wi-Fi Now is a production of RCR TV News. To suggest a show topic or to learn more about Wi-Fi Now events, you can reach Klaus Heading at klaus at headingconsulting.com. To find out more about Wi-Fi Now and all things wireless, visit rcrwireless.com.